I've been looking forward to this interview for a long time. You've tuned in to The Giving Leader. I'm Phil Ling, which is the host of the podcast, and also I'm the founder of The Giving Church. You can check out more about us at thegivingchurch.com, download a free book that we've got. But I've been looking forward to this for a long time because I'm a church planter by background, and I like hanging out with a lot of church planters. It's very difficult finding those stories and how they're making it. We've introduced you to some that are in rural Ohio, for instance. But this one is in Salt Lake City, one of the most unusual places to plant in the United States because you've got a state dominated by a religious culture a group that went there 150 years ago or whatever it was to settle that area and then has predominantly stayed in control politically and otherwise for all that time period. So high number of people that are hanging out in a church, they just happen to be one particular kind of church, which is LDS. So when you look for those evangelical Christian church plants, it's a different story completely. We're going to be talking with Dave Elzog. I met Dave when he was part of a church plant called K2. It's one of the largest churches in the state now. A group of folks moving there from Michigan years ago to plant and have successfully done so. He now works with a group called Loving Utah. Loving Utah helps those that are planting churches in the state of Utah and also those existing churches to grow and to flourish. So hanging out with Dave for a few minutes, talking about what's happening in that great state, in the world of Christianity and new church plants, that's where we're going to spend some time. Spend some time today on the Giving Leader podcast with Dave Elzog from Loving Utah. Hey, thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Giving Leader. I'm Phil Ling. I'm the host. I'm also the founder of The Giving Church. You can go check out thegivingchurch.com, download a free book from us, and learn more about what it is that we do working with churches across the country. I've been doing this for a long, long time and working with lots of, of cool folks. Literally, I think I counted up the other day. I've, I've worked in all but three states. There's three states God doesn't seem to love, but anyway. Uh, and one of those, was probably, if it's not the most successful church plant in Utah history, it's got to be right up there toward the top. It was just a, a great story. And one of the people that I met when I went out for the first time to, to hang out with the K2 folks in Salt Lake was Dave Elzog. Now, I will tell you for the rest of this interview, I probably won't say Dave because I only know him as Soggy. But anyway, Dave Elzog, and he was at K2, and now he's leading a group that works with churches, both in church planting and church strengthening called Loving Utah. You can go to lovingutah.org where he's executive director. But I'm thrilled to have Dave Elzog as my guest today. Dave, how are you? I'm doing great, Phil. Great to, great to be with you on your podcast. I've been loving, I've listened to all the episodes so far, so I'm a raving fan, telling all my friends about it as well. But um, yeah, it's, it's been fun um, being out here in Utah, and I and, uh, hope some people can learn some new things about what we're doing out here. Well, you know, a long time ago, uh, when I had a little bit more hair, I actually moved to Seattle to plant a church. And, and at the time, the Northwest was, uh, you know, one of those very unchurched areas. I've got a lot of great churches out there today. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think it would hold a candle to the unique atmosphere that evangelical churches trying to plant experience when they go to Utah. 
So I, you know, I've known you guys for a long time and I know just enough to be dangerous, but I want to set the stage. But first, tell me about the K2 experience, how, how you got part of that team um, for those that are listening and don't know anything about K2 and your experiences there. So just give me a little thumbnail sure. sketch of that whole thing. Yeah, so K2 was a plant from Kensington Church, which is a large multi-campus church in the Detroit area. And Kensington always had a heart and a, just an open-handed, kingdom-minded heart about how do we help church planters in Michigan. It's kind of how it started. Um, then the opportunity opened um, for Dave Nelson, who was our lead pastor. He was a teaching pastor at Kensington. And um, a football player from the Detroit Lions was attending his church named Luther Ellis, and Luther called him and said, hey, I played for the University of Utah. There's no church like Kensington in Utah. Would you consider going out and planting one? And that's how it all started. Um, and uh, I was also in Michigan serving at a church, but then ended up going out to Denver for a while. Um, I just stopped a little short of Salt Lake and uh, helped plant a church there in Denver, and then eventually got out here about 13 years ago uh, to K2 I've uh, served as children's director, served as executive pastor, um, but over the years have really had a heart for the church planting movement. And so that's what attracted me to K2, um, that they were a Kensington church, that they had uh, kingdom-minded and open-handed um, type of DNA. And so um, Dave Nelson and I, specifically at K2, um, we've spent a lot of time, energy, and effort on um, reaching out to church planters, uh, bringing them under our wing, um, helping them to understand uh, Utah, and doing lots of things, we, you know, just caring for them. If there's resources, um, just this, in the last couple months, um, one of our really strong church plants, uh, probably about a five-year-old church plant, lost their building. They were meeting, oh. they were meeting in a school. And the school is receiving state funds, and they pulled the uh, church and state card, which happens a lot here in Utah. And they said, we can't rent to a religious organization anymore, so you're done. And so now they're, they're meeting in our facilities on Sunday afternoons, and they're loving it. Um, but we've been trying to resource um, church planters specifically, but now even expanding into church health and, and how do we help the churches that are even existing here um, not only survive here in Utah, which a lot of them are just barely surviving, but thriving and multiplying and then really sustaining. So that's, that's kind of our vision. That kind of well, K2 and keeps going. Well, uh, let, let me give you, I'll give you a little uh, for the, those that are listening to us. Uh, K2, which is funny because when you hear K2, you always think of like the, the mountain. Yeah. Uh, but it's uh, Kensington. So you got this group of folks out of Michigan that say, yep. hey, we're going to take a, a little pod of people. And it was a pod. It wasn't just parachuting Nelson down. Yep. Uh, it, was it was 30 adults plus kids. 30 adults. So they got to go find gigs, find opportunities, and, mm -hmm. and plant this church. So I, I, I want to set the stage because they they're going into a tough area. Yeah. Uh, it is LDS everywhere. Yeah. And just Latter-day Saints. Correct. And if you're not Latter-day Saints, or for those of us vernacular, it's Mormons, but if you're yeah. not, then it's, it's a tough thing. And they look a little jaundice eye at evangelicals, whatever the heck that is, or Christians. Yes. Uh, and if you, you could probably start a fight with a lot of Mormons if you said, are you a Christian? Because some yes, some no. Uh, this depends on their, their view. Um, so you guys go out there. 
the first time I showed up and, and ran into you and uh, K2, you had this more urban setting, two boxes, a, a red box and a white box yep. in this light rail parking lot. And you're running services in both and you're cramming them in there. And it was crazy. You got the sign guy out front twirling the sign <laughs> that, that like, you know, and he was good. He was a pro. Yeah, Randy, uh, and, awesome. <laughs> and so but you build a, a, a major ministry in a very modest facilities. I mean, these were just two little metal buildings, basically. Yep. Um, eventually, you make the, the, the move uh, to the fun dome. And I'll save that for another episode because that's a d- different conversation. Okay. So you get into it where you're sharing it with an international school, basically, yep. uh, this, this space. And it was a, a miracle how that thing happened over time. It was, it's on, it's off, it's on, it's off. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It may happen. And so fast forward to, so today now K2 is a church of a couple thousand strong in Salt Lake. And then, and you've been there 13 years, which is not the complete time of K2, but it's pretty dang close. And yeah. so you've been there, children's all the way up to executive pastor. You're working with Nelson. You come up with this loving Utah thing. Yeah. And you're encouraging because the open hand part, I think, is neat. Uh, a lot of times you get, it's like a church gets successful and has, starts having some numerical growth. And it's almost like they're fearful that somebody else does well, it would hurt them. Yeah. And you're not, you guys are like, no, no, no. We got, we've got to do everything we have to help people. Here's what I want to set the stage. People that are listening to us are all over the uh, country, and for that matter, all over the world. Yeah. And everybody thinks their area they live in is very unique. Yep. When I travel and work and consult with churches, I don't care if I'm in the Northeast, the Southwest, wherever, it's always like, yeah, but could you understand us? And like, yeah. yes, you are so unique. Um, Utah very much is unique. I think Alaska is unique in its own way, has nothing to do with the, the, the Mormon thing. But, but Utah is very unique because you have this one state of the union that was predominantly settled by a particular religious group. Yes. That then grew and flourished politically yes. through that through that period of time, so that it was a uh, it, it, it let's if can if I can use the word almost an oppressive environment for anybody else religion yes. uh, to come in and do something. You got the dominant university, you got all kinds of stuff. So you guys come in, you have some success. Now you're working with Loving Utah, and you're helping churches not only that are already in existence to grow, but also new ones to get started. Yes. Give me, uh, give me a layman's understanding. What are the unique challenges? Uh, I, 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 I don't want to overstate that. I, I want to yeah. understand because I don't. I know that it's unique yeah. uh, from being hanging out with you guys, but yet I don't know if I could write it down. What makes it so unique? Sure. So um, the Mormon culture makes it really unique and. The interesting part is there's tens of thousands of people who are leaving the Mormon church right now here in Utah. Um, but particularly um, when they leave, uh, the majority of them leave and head towards atheism. Hmm. And atheism, addiction, um, trying, to, trying to cover up all the stuff that they're, all the weight that they've been carrying. And, um, and my new friend, uh, Lisa Brockman, she just released a book. On October 1st, she came out here. She's uh, leading a crew. Her and her husband lead a crew down in Florida, a Campus Crusade. And um, she's just written a book called Out of Zion and shared her story. And it is mind-blowing how hard it is for somebody who stops believing that the 
Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the one true church and discovers um, the deception that their church has, has deceived their family, uh, themselves, their family, uh, six generations for Lisa. And when she discovers that, what kind of a bombshell that is, it just literally destroys people's lives. Um, and so uh, it takes, right now, um, on that, we, we know that there's a lot of stories of people who are coming to Christ out of the LDS church, but they have literally spent 10 years alone on the internet doing research before they wow. ever talk to somebody. Wow. I mean, that's not happening in other, other places. And so uh, I think the uniqueness is also, you know, that every politician, every school teacher, every police officer, everyone is pretty much um, Latter-day Saints. So it's a real culture that's shaped by a religion. Um, and so um, there's so many different subtleties. And the, and the hardest part for church planters is this. So many, so many church planters came because they heard the need in Utah. They heard the statistics, um, less than 3% of people uh, attend a Christian church in Utah. I think that number is actually going down. It's probably closer to 2% as, wow. as our population goes up. Um, we've grown by a million people. We went from 2 million to 3 million in, in less than 20 years. And we haven't added very many churches since then in the last 20 years. So, um, but church planting agencies, they hear about it. They send people, they're like, hey, they need churches there. They come and they treat it like a regular church plant. Um, like a church plant in Texas, church plant in California, church plant in Minnesota, church plant in Utah. Let's do it all the same way. And it is just a long long runway for churches to get to a sustainability place here is it is it um the the reluctance the skepticism because i think you know where sin abounds all, grace abounds all the more we know that yeah. from scripture sin abounds grace abounds all the more so mm -hmm. you've got people in utah thousands of them leaving the lds church because they are in search whether they think they're gravitating toward atheism or whatever but they're trying to fill some kind of a void Yep. And so then you have these new churches plant up. Are they using language that are, is a stumbling block? Or is it some simple things like that or what? Yes. Uh, part of it is, part of it is language. Um, since the, since the LDS church, you know, on they're on the outside, they'll say they're another Christian denomination. That's what they'll say on the outside, on the inside in their, in their classes and their teaching, they teach that they are the one true church and Joseph Smith is the one true prophet and all other churches are apostate. But they'll use words like grace, sin. Um, they'll use all these words, but they all have a different um, definition. So um, on, on the surface, there's, it looks very similar. Christianity and Mormonism looks very similar on the surface. But as I was at this conference, even this weekend here in Utah, a conference called Faith After Mormonism for people who are actually seeking Jesus and, and seeking them. So that's the audience there. And as I was there just listening, um, once somebody comes out of the Mormon church and they've discovered, they've read the documents, they've done their research, all this stuff, um, they just really don't know where to turn. I would, I would say it would be like you, telling you, Phil, Hey, uh, you're in Cincinnati right now. Um, I want you to go to this remote village in the jungle, right? In, in Brazil. And you don't have a map, just go find it. That's how hard it is for 
an LDS person to find a local church even. Um, it's super difficult. So, so there's language barriers, cultural barriers. And one of the things that we're trying to address with Loving Utah is we've actually created a curriculum for church planters just this year um, called Utah Ministry. Um, people could go to utahministry.org even if they are in a place. I know there's many cities like in Arizona and California that have a high LDS population. Um, you could go on that website and download these videos. They're very instructional. We have a bunch of people doing it. And it's really helpful as, as one of the things that we knew was a stumbling block, Bill, was that people did not treat this as a cross-cultural ministry. Mm. And so it would be like going to Libya, but not having ever met somebody who's from Libya, not ever spent time there. Um, and so you have to get to know people here to really understand the depths of, of what they're going through. Uh, on top of the, you know, on top of the predominantly Mormon culture, you have a, a, another culture that's very anti-religious culture, you know? Okay. And so that's the other, the other area. People have been burned by religion, so they don't want to be part of religion. They don't want to come to a church. So it takes years of building trust. And so... Um, I think the more and more we, we, um, we at Loving Utah and the churches that are part of our network discover, man, this is a different culture. You just can't come in here lightly. You have to really come in and understand and get to know people and get to know their stories and, and be very, very patient. Um, and so when I say it takes a long runway, some, some denominations say, hey, after two years, you should have a sustaining church with elders and deacons and you should be running 200 people and all this stuff. And that's not the normal story here. Um, well, it, just to, to go off a, a little tangent for a second on language. Uh, I know working with you guys a long time ago, um, words have meaning. Yes. And, and I, I think all of us know that there are lots of, of religious groups that take words, biblical words, and give them their own connotation. So when we talk about grace or mercy, it's like, okay, what is grace? What is mercy? But one simple one that's in my world, since I deal in generosity, was tithing. Yeah. And that in the Mormon church, they're strong on that word, but it's a very heavy-handed thing. Yes. So that uh, I remember one of the gals on your staff who had come out of the, the Mormon church was talking about on, like, I think January, you, you know, folks would show up at their ward and have maybe their W-2s to say, hey, this is what I'm making. So this is what you can expect that my tithe is going to be. So just using that term tithe in a Christian church yeah. was like red flag city. Yeah, because everything, it's a works-based religion. So every work, including giving, tithing, serving, um, is all... It's, it's a big, it's adding up to what level of heaven you will get to. Mm. So, so you do all that you can, and then, and then Jesus' Jesus's grace gets you over the, over the finish line. You know? So you have to do all that you can. And what, what, what even Lisa Brockman was sharing um, in her book and in her presentation was, it was like carrying around boulders, boulders of, I have to, ha I have to be perfect boulders of, I have to do this, I have to, and if I don't do that, and then knowing in herself that she's a sinner, but doesn't, doesn't even know, she just talked about how she didn't even know she had a sin nature. Mm. Like she had, uh, you know, so in their, 
even in the way they think about eternity and, and um, that everyone's preexisted and we were all fathered by God the Father and God the Mother. We were fathered by them. We are preexisting and then humans bring those preexisting people into this world and we're supposed to live a perfect life. And nobody can do that. Nobody can live up to that. So she's talking about just how carrying this weight of boulders and not knowing what to do with it. Um, so yeah, so tithing, how do you talk about tithing when we say, you know, it's out of obedience to God and out of love for him and, and out of response and out of worship. Uh, when somebody has been told all their life, this is getting you into heaven. And if you don't do it, you're in trouble. Um, hey, take a, com- take a commercial for a minute. And uh, tell me if people go to, and I'm going to give this website out because when I yeah. call to action on stuff, uh, is pray the number four utah.org. Pray the number four, pray for utah.org. Yeah. If they go there, what is it that they're praying for? What is, what's the call to action stuff that they're going to find on that site? Yeah, there's two calls to action on there. One is just join our prayer team. If you join our prayer team once a week, I will send out. Uh, just a short email kind of sharing with you the things that we're doing for Loving Utah and um, opportunities to give towards those things as well. There's also a give button. So uh, if, you, if you're listening to this, you feel compelled. Um, you know, we, Loving Utah, we're trying to resource these churches, but we're kind of doing it on a real limited budget. So, um, and, and if you wanted to connect with me as well, um, my email's on there. Um, if you have questions about Utah or, or anything we've talked about on this podcast, um, or maybe you feel a call towards it, you can do that. But pray the number four utah.org is where we are trying to get people from around the country, around the world to be praying for us. And we'll let you know what to pray for. We'll tell you, yeah, here's stories about our pastors, our, our churches, um, people who are in our community, um, and, and how the church can come alongside of us. So thanks for hey, that. Get, that's all right. Give me, give me uh, some some numbers. I know you're trying to get your arms around. So like in loving Utah, the the churches within your uh, connection around the state, what kind of numbers are we talking about? Well, uh, in our network, and we've just been doing this as volunteers all these years and just trying to build relationships. In our network, we have about 75 uh, local churches that are part of our network. Um, We think there's only about 300 Christian churches in the whole state, Phil. So like 75 um, are in our network. And then on top of that, another 25 nonprofit organizations, um, we help, we serve them as well. And that leads to be, be around 300 to 350 individuals that at least one, we have one touch point a year in a training session or through our internship program or whatever. Um, we have about 350 touches of, of Christian leaders who are serving here in Utah. So uh, I, I want that to set in because I, I think, we know those that are of us that are listening and depending on where we live and what part of the country and what we've been exposed to, we know that there are places that seem to be sparse, not a lot of churches. And, but even way back when, when I went to Seattle, yeah, there weren't a lot of churches, but they would have many more than two or 300 in a state of 2 million. I mean, that that's, and most of those are fledgling yeah. In, in size. But give me some success stories. Tell me some guys and gals that are doing a good job experiencing some success. Yeah. Um, I could talk about my hero. I call them my heroes. I could talk okay. about my heroes all day. I know we don't have all day, but uh, Ben Helton, uh, Texas church planter, missionary kid, 
um, planted a church in Texas, um, heard about Utah, found me, and he went to Harriman, Utah, which at the time, seven years ago, Harriman was uh, a growing, sprawling, new, new development a suburban area of about 30,000. In the last seven years, that's grown to about 50,000. And in his corner of the valley, it'll be about 200,000 in the next few years. Um, in that corner of the valley, there's, there's about um, five pretty fledgling churches. So <laughs> we're talking about five churches and a population of, of 200,000 people. Um, so just wrap your mind around that. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, they started with 19 people in the rec center. Most of them had moved from Texas and uh, they had a little party room and they just started with 19, started building relationships with, with their neighbors and, and uh, kind of just guerrilla marketing, hanging up banners all over town on any chain link things they could find <laughs> and, and uh, sending postcards and everything, just getting their name into the community. Now um, I'm working with them and, uh, and they are now running around 250 on a Sunday. Wow. They meet in a 6,000 square foot building, Phil. 6,000 <laughs> square foot. There's houses bigger than them than their church in the neighborhood. Um, and uh, they run two services. They're running out of room. Um, they're really engaging people um, in that community. Um, they were the first that the town's been around for 150 years. They're the first gospel-centered church that's ever been planted there. Wow. Um, and so... Um, yeah, and now, uh, they purchased some property. We're excited. We're going to build a, a sustainable solutions building with a, with a full-time preschool in it. And, um, cause there's lots of kids and, uh, we're hoping that the, that can pay for the building and their, their goal in the next five years is to reach 1% of the population of the, of their corner of the Valley, which, which is 200,000 people. So their goal is to reach, uh, 2000 people on Easter in 2025. Wow. Wow. So, so there are, there are some success stories. Yeah. Uh, tell me, give me another hero before I ask you something else. Yeah. Matthew Anderson is another hero of mine. Matthew and Chandra um, Anderson went to Spanish Fork, Utah. Again, Spanish Fork, Utah never had uh, a Christian church planted in it in its, all of its history. Another growing suburban area, um, very similar to the one I just described population wise. And um, they just started in their house. They said, we're going to start a house church movement. And um, when people say that, I usually go, oh, yeah, well, I'll see you later. Um, <laughs> it never works. But Matt, Matthew and Chandra Anderson, um, their ministry is called Plant Utah. Uh, they're worth a look up. Uh, they are amazing. So they started this little, little church in their house, and they started to outgrow it. And so they got a little music theater um, downtown Spanish Fork, Utah, and um, started having Sunday services there, still having house church. Um, but they started with tens seven years ago. Now they have hundreds um, in their reach. And I, I guarantee you, knowing the ministry, the people that are moving there, people who are, are joining their movement in Utah County, where BYU is, um, just really, really hard place. Um, I believe that in the next five years, they will be reaching thousands of people through their house church movement. It is growing like that. And they are willing to, uh, they're one of those troopers that say, you know, our gravestones will be in Utah, but we're here for the long haul. And so 
Matthew's one, Matthew and Chandra, they're some of my favorite people to hang out with. Uh, well, one thing, uh, one thing I'm hearing though, is that uh, loving Utah, which you're the executive director, Dave Elzogs, who we're talking to, uh, and loving Utah is helping with those church plants and around the state, but they don't all have to look alike. No. So their, their approach and even the success they're experiencing, some of them, it's not a cookie cutter kind of thing. Yeah. In fact, we have uh, over 15 denominations and non-denominations. So in our network, so we have Presbyterians, Baptists, Pentecostals, uh, you name it, non-denominational, independent Christian churches. Um, we just all work together, um, which is really cool. I've never seen that happen anywhere else. Even when I'm finding church plant networks around the country, a lot of them are very tribal as far as like they come from kind of the same, same tribal denominational type of things. But right. our network has, has uh, dozens of different styles, different denominations. And we've just determined that, hey, we're, our movement is too small to, to have fighting among each other. We've got to work together and learn from each other. And I love how guys are just learning from each other. And really, the most successful church planters here are ones that will come and they'll learn from the veteran leaders. And so that's my prayer. And that's our goal is how do we train these church planters? How do we get them in relationship with one another? Um, and how do we start multiplying churches from Utah into Utah instead of importing in all of our church planters from places that just are different from, from Utah. So. Okay. So uh, we've told some hero stories. Do you have any story or two of uh, just that illustrates the tough stuff? Just like the one you told us about the church that got kicked out of their building in the school because they decided, yeah. suddenly decided to interpret the constitution differently than everybody else. Um, Cause every state school takes state dollars. So that's yeah. kind of a goofy argument. Yes. Um, you know, I don't know, unless you're a, an independent school, then that would not even be apropos. Uh, but anyway, so you guys, they're, they're having to shift over meeting somebody else's building in the afternoon, which is, I remember at the beginning days, early days of K2, you guys had another church meeting on your property too. Yeah. When you had the yeah. red and white buildings. Yeah. We've had multiple churches use our buildings from, from time to time. Um, yeah, I would say, you know, the, the negative stories or the stories of just hasn't worked out have just been people who have moved here and they have, they've just not loved Utah very much. Um, they, they hit culture and sometimes it's a spouse, you know, a wife who um, just isn't accepted by her neighbors. Uh, kids aren't accepted by the neighbors. That happens. It doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes, right. sometimes you move in a neighborhood, it's great. But for, some, for one church planter that I knew, like he, he came in with a lot of fire um, a lot of, a lot of, uh, energy. Um, actually he's a really good leader. He's actually leading a very large church today, but not in Utah. Right. Um, but as a church planter in, in Lehigh, Utah, in Utah County, which is a really tough place. Um, they just, after two years, they were done. Like, um, they, we cannot take it anymore. Our kids hate it here. My wife hates it here. <laughs> we're done. And, um, and we've seen that story repeated over and over again. And that's why we actually created Loving Utah, because we said, hey, we got to help people love this place. But we got to love these people that are coming here because God's sending them here for a reason. And, um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of heartache and, and it just kind of hits you. Um, you don't know this, Phil, but uh, 
so K2, we moved into a building, 150,000 square foot. You, you helped us with the fundraising. And so commercial for Phil, if you want to be <laughs> fundraising, call Phil. Uh, but uh, you really helped us a lot with that. And we moved into a 150,000 square foot building that we did 30,000 of renovation, share it with a school and a charter school. But you don't know this, Phil, that that charter school went out of business at the end of the school year this year. Wow. And so um, K2 is in a, in a time right now where we literally do not know what's going to happen with our building. Um, we do not know if we're going to be able to stay, if we're going to be able to get another school in there, um, or whether the, the owners of the building will actually buy us out and we'll have to move to a different location. We have no idea what's going to happen. And this all happened just this May. And so again, am I surprised that in Utah that we could do, we could work all this, do all this effort, work, work like crazy to get some, something established. And then just the rug gets pulled out from under us. I'm not surprised at it, but it is, it's the reality that every, every church here in Utah faces, you just get punched in the gut all the time and you never know when it's coming. And um, I just, I truly believe it's a spiritual battle here for, for people's souls. And, um, and it's just, and the enemy doesn't want to give up, give up this territory. So yeah, that's where we're at. Wow. Uh, wow. That's, uh, okay too. That, that's a, a whole other conversation, the building <laughs> that they're in. It started yeah. off life as a uh, indoor fun center, the fun dome, everything yeah. from bowling alleys to climbing walls and sat empty forever. It was a, it was a, uh, a victim of the downturn in the economy in the 08, 09 time period. And so much so that the, not only did it go out of business, but the bank that held the note went out of business. <laughs> and, and then, and, and all through that process, it was like, you know, the king, there's no way this is going to work. And, and eventually this international charter school comes on the scene, which partnered yeah. in a very unique way. Yeah. And so now you've got a church K2, which may be the strongest numerically in state, if not in the top, top couple. Yeah. And that is, could be homeless. Yeah. And you say, okay, and people that are listening to us say, yeah, yeah, churches experience this. Nah, no. I'm telling you, it's, it's a different environment yeah. um, that they're not all thrilled to see you. Yes, there are, say, predominantly Catholic areas or predominantly Jewish or predominantly, you know, Norwegian Lutheran or something like that. Sure. But I've seen those and worked in those. I've not seen the, the in-depth resistance that you have in Utah. Yes. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Hey, can I? Do you have time? Do we have time to share a few stats that would help people? Please, even we love numbers. Okay, I know you love numbers, so I'm going to throw some at you. Then I have a quiz for you, Phil. Okay, and okay. I'll flunk. All right. No, I think you'll get it right. Okay. <laughs> so according to Pew Research, 79 percent of the population of Oklahoma claims Christianity. Okay. 79 percent. Wow. And, and another another survey said that 40% of the population of Oklahoma is on in church on Sunday. Wow. That's crazy. That is huge. In Oklahoma, less than 1% of the population is Latter-day Saints, about 40,000. So um, then I go to Utah. In Utah, about 70% of the population belongs to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay. And the majority of that 70% are in church on Sunday. Wow. Um, but less than 3% of our population attends a gospel-centered church. If I bring that down to my city, so I live in a suburb of Salt Lake 
called mm -hmm. South Jordan, Utah. Population is 70,000. So think about it. You know, those of you listening out there, think about a, a city of 70,000. Maybe you live in something that, like that. Um, there, are, there are five gospel-centered churches in that population of 70,000. All of them are tiny church plants. One is kind of significant. But uh, if you added up all the people in those churches in South Jordan on a Sunday, it would be about 700 people. Wow. So that's about 1% of the population in South Jordan, Utah. So there are, so I figured out there are more Mormons who live in my city than live in all of Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> well, and here's, here's the number that was jumping out to me using your example of your town. So yeah. if you use a 70% rule, that means of the 70,000, 49,000 of them are in a, a, a Mormon church on Sunday. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, that's huge. There, uh, I don't know of anybody that's lived anywhere in the country where it's had that high a percentage of people sitting in a religious institution on a Sunday morning. No. It, it, it's, yeah, it's part of your works is to go to church on Sunday. So you got to right. be there. So I call Utah the most overchurched and undergospeled state in America. I think nobody's going to argue. Okay, so I, here's, I, my, here's my quiz. All I, got, right. I, got, I got three. So there are over 600 Christian-affiliated colleges and mm -hmm. universities in the United States, mm -hmm. 30 of which are in Tennessee alone. Wow. Okay. Um, how many are there in Utah? Okay. So description, this is uh, somehow, somehow loosely connected to a Christian. Okay. Yeah, uh, Christian-affiliated uh, colleges and universities. How I'm many are going, in Utah? I am going to say zero. Correct. You are correct. Ding, ding, ding. You win. Okay. <laughs> All right. Question number two. So there are over 40 denominations in the National Association of Evangelicals. Um, how many of them have a district office specifically for Utah only? I'm going to say one. Nope. Zero is the right answer. Okay. So actually, actually, I'll give you, I'll give it a half. So the Southern Baptists have the Utah-Idaho conference. Okay, all right. So, and they have an actual office in Utah, so I give it a half a denomination office. Okay. So I'll give it that. And when I was down in Atlanta talking to a, a Southern Baptist uh, denominational guy, uh, he called Utah a frontier state. <laughs> so they still refer to us as frontier state like we're out here in wagons and cooking over a campfire and stuff so that's pretty funny okay last question um wikipedia lists over 600 churches in america with attendance of 2000 plus right okay All right how many, how many does wikipedia list for utah I was going to say, because Wikipedia is all, you know, as good as whoever puts the information in, which is oh, yeah. shaky at best. So I'm going to say it's zero, but it should be two. <laughs> yes, it's zero, but it should be two. So uh, that's, that is correct. Man, you are a pretty smart guy, Phil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's nice to hang out with you. <laughs> All right. So I, we're talking to Dave Elzog, Soggy, my friend. He's executive director of Loving Utah. You can go. I'm going to give you two websites that if you're listening to me, uh, you know, please go check it out. LovingUtah.org, LovingUtah.org, working with these church plants around the state that are trying to go into a very, very tough world. Uh, but it's, it's a fertile world. It's, I mean, these people, just as he talked, tens of thousands that are leaving the Mormon church, but looking for the grace and the mercy that we want yep. to talk about. Lots and then pray for Utah.org. 
pray, the number four, utah.org, and check that out. Soggy, you're a good man. I need to get out and break bread with you. Oh, um, man, I can't wait. Tell uh, Nelson hi next time you see him. He, as I say, is the, uh, uh, one of the few people in all my travels that I have seen preach in shorts and flip-flops, and he lives in a place that has snow. So, yes. I, I, you know, <laughs> he's, he's a unique cat, but you guys are doing a great job. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Okay, thanks, Bill. Thank you to my friend Dave Elzog, as I like to call him Soggy, from Loving Utah. Check out their website. Check out um, PrayForUtah.com that we talked about. Uh, I really appreciate him giving us some time. And put that on your list to investigate all the things that are happening in the churches in Utah. Thanks for spending time with us. I'm Phil Ling, the host of The Giving Leader. And go to thegivingchurch.com to learn more about what we do with consulting with churches and ministry groups.